In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Here we are in the year 2022 and our the fall and our topics are Kanye West and Taylor Swift. I wish in their original context when they were paired together, but that's not <laughs> yeah. the case. No, no. I mean, things things change and yet they stay the same, you know? Yeah. Do you think in another 10 years we'll be doing yet another iteration of this conversation? Yeah, their divorce. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, they bo- they're both in space. They're the first people <laughs> married in space. And we're like, how did we get here? But whatever. Yeah, that they were the only ones rich enough to get themselves there. And then, and then mm-hmm. there, there they were. There they were. But yeah, at least before we get on, so excited to chat Kanye West. Anti-Semitism with the girlies. <laughs> that was my login line today, and I I stick by it. <sighs> but before, you know what? We're going to talk about a few anti-Semitic men today because I figured I would batch them all together. You know, habit stacking. Yeah. We do that here on the podcast. We're going to do <laughs> terrible men st- stacking. Funny you you call it terrible men stacking. I called the I had the theme of the morning announcements this morning be Man Baby Monday, which, oh. is, which was so – I mean – the, the lineup we had, we had two Donald Trump stories, two Elon Musk stories, Lindsey Graham, Steve Bannon. It is and, a man um, baby Monday. It's yeah. just another man baby Monday. <laughs> we should put that in next time. I will yeah, that's that. beautiful. Before we were, before we were d- coming to discuss, I was just trying to come up with like a novel idea for like a world that is run by billionaire men because that's just where we're headed. Like these – why – Every fucking day, it's like we 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 roll a wheel, and we're either gonna land on Donald Trump, Elon Musk, or Donald Kanye Trump West. Donald Trump is not a billionaire. Excuse you. Fair, true. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for. But the we know he's a you pawn know. of billionaires. Jeff Bezos <laughs> is like having a great couple weeks. He hasn't he hasn't come up to our radar for for months. I feel like aside from shooting himself into the sky, he mm-hmm. um, in a dick <laughs> in a, in a giant dick. <laughs> he does not like. But he does not really come out and, like, do or say a lot. And I think that's because, like, when you are actually a true billionaire on the Bezos level, which I think is even higher of a level than Elon Musk, you don't even need – It seems more secure. You're existing above the atmosphere of all of us, and you don't have to – you really have shot yourself up into the sky. And that's – and he doesn't say stuff or, like – Well, you're absolutely right about that. Because so Elon Musk, I mean, his billions are built on puff air. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like we're taught he. I mean, just to 
one thing is that like he's paying $44 billion for a company that he wants to get set rid of 75% of the workforce. And he thinks that half of the users are fake. So it's like, what is this money? What does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos, like his, um, he's more of like an old school robber baron. Like for mm-hmm. example, like his wealth is based on like a thing that we can all we all use the thing yeah. that generates his wealth. Like there's there's something there. And I think yeah. the same goes for like most of the billionaires you don't hear from most of the time, like Steve Ballmer and all these like random guys, all the people mm-hmm. I talked about in the uh, extra, extra mm-hmm. episode about the billionaires who are killing journalism. Mm-hmm. The, you don't hear their names a lot because they they don't want to be talked about. They yeah. They're not yeah, – yeah. like their money is real, so they're not trying to like call attention to it lest you take it away. But with Elon Musk, like he doesn't really have this much. Like it's all sort of based on like fake projections. I can send – like his market share even with Tesla is like not high enough to be justifying yeah. the amount of money he says he has. Totally. So yeah, it's – we do need to come up with a name for the – world run by billionaire men. I'm definitely going to work on that one. Yeah, because Elon Musk is just like a level one entry level first boss billionaire. Yes. Whereas like, whereas Steve, the, the upper ones are like... Larry Ellison. Yeah, like people you don't even know and then they, when you're playing the, the game of defeating all the billionaires. If you like, were trying to, exactly, if you were trying to like silently sort of manipulate the world order, why would you be so ostentatious about it? Also, being a billionaire, it's just, to me, it's kind of embarrassing. Like when people are always like, what would you do with a billion dollars? They'd be like, oh God, like what what unethical nonsense did I even did I even do to get there? I mean, you got Mackenzie yeah, Bezos who can't oh, get no. rid of it so quick enough. How did I get a billion dollars? What did I do? Right. <laughs> who did I hurt? Where's my soul? Definitely give like eight hundred million of those away. Yeah, and you then, have to Mackenzie Bezos it. Yeah, you yeah. like look. A I lot mean, of money not Bezos, like, Scott. Yeah. Sorry, Scott. Right, right. You have to Mackenzie Scott it and give forty six million dollars to the Girl Scouts and just <laughs> yes. be like, there you go. You just ladies. don't even need that much to like get all the stuff you could probably want. That's what that's what's so mind blowing to me is that like you really don't need that much to like get really cool stuff. Like you just need a few million, and that's all I yeah. want money for. Yeah, that is all I want money for is cool stuff. Yeah. I'm not trying to make enough for my grandkids. They can figure it out. I just want I want to I want to be like the Patag- Patagonia guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need to send them to college debt free, and like they'll probably be okay. Yeah, I want to exactly. travel Literally, and live yeah. in a nice house. That's what my like. That's I would allocate a portion of my billion so that I could travel fancy and live in a nice house and have some nice clothes that are like really well stitched. You don't need more than like five to ten million dollars for that. Yeah, that's because the thing is like there's yeah. a lot of excess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you don't like you don't need more than that. So yeah, you know everyone. It would be just great if like everyone could get their own five to ten million dollars and live nicely. <laughs> I mean, literally everyone could at this point. I think everybody could. <laughs> but yeah, I could live my best Taurus luxurious life. And still be able to donate the majority of my wealth to charity if I was in a Jeff Bezos type situation. It's just embarrassing. I yeah. maintain. But before before we get back into the anti-Semitism, we are, you know, the three, the three, I would say, Swifties of the group are mm-hmm. all here together on our first post midnight's uh post midnight release episode. How are we feeling? Um 
first or not even first impressions. I mean, by now, I'm sure it's really worn its way into our souls, but thoughts, a few moments of reflections on Midnight, Elise loving it. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a great album. I think she's she came out hard. I I thought, you know, she always has her vibe behind the rollouts and right. Taylor Swift does all of her Taylor Swift things. I had found the rollout to be a little cringy. Like I just was not loving the rollout. So I had thought maybe I wasn't going to love the album. It's hit after hit, baby. I love the album. No skips. <laughs> it's great. I had a little Halloween get together over the weekend. It was a Halloween light party, which is where it's like not a costume party, but you should wear something that evokes Halloween. Oh, love um, that. Like, yeah, like a little, like a little caddy yes. is perfect. A little shirt with a pumpkin. Not intimidating. Great. Exactly. And we played, we played the album, like, I think twice through before people were Gorgeous. like, can we play other songs? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> we can play some other songs. <laughs> twice as respectable. Twice as respectable. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mostly agree with you. I really liked the album. Do I love the album? I'm going to reserve that word so that I can use it for stronger emotion things I feel more strongly towards. But I really liked the album. I thought it was very, very good. I don't think it's her best. I don't think it's going to be like her most memorable. Um, I don't – I actually think it might be more like a lover and then it like sort of goes down on people's lists rather than a reputation, which I feel has sort of like ascended on mm. people's lists. Um I think that like, okay, maybe the problem is that I was sort of expecting a continuation of folklore and evermore, mm. which I felt were like really deep progressions for her. And like her narrative writing got so good. And her lyrics, I thought on those albums were just like completely flawless. And this, it feels more like the follow-up to Lover, which had, that had me on it, right? Or- Yeah. Yeah. It okay. had me on it, which right. is, I will often say- <laughs> As someone who loves Taylor Swift and Brendan Urie, for them to have come together and created maybe one of the worst songs yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's ever been made. Something that I think is truly evil was unleashed with that song. <laughs> I think you're right. An evil earworm. The video, everything about that. Is fun. The, yeah. like, <laughs> was a demon call. It, it was. It's something, it was something dark that was unleashed with me. And <laughs> even though I love both artists deeply. <laughs> right. So you, so, so I feel that there was like a lot of, there were some really, really good lyrics on this. There were a lot of lyrics that I was just like, oh dear. Nonsensical. Yeah. Oh yeah. dear. Like. Draw the cat eyes sharp enough to kill no, a man. No, that was a good, that was a good line. <laughs> I See that one? Is, line. I saw TikTokers like coming, being like, "This really? is millennial Taylor." They were saying, she "I saw the girlies on." T I know. I was like, "She's thirty three. I saw, but yes. the, the, there were TikTokers being like, "This is ultimate Taylor millennial," okay. and I From was like, "I do like millennial Taylor, and I think it's fun for her to say, draw the cat eye sharp enough totally. to kill a man.' I know she's our woman." I thought almost all the lines in vigilante shit were like superior. Well, especially and because that song had a story to tell. So the right. lyric made like sense. Like if you're imagining who she might be talking about and a person that's in that state, Food that makes sense. But if that song was, if that lyric was thrown into like, yeah, they're just another ones where I was like, I don't know what this song what is about. What about like from, from sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes, which made me feel that it was an end of camp poem. Like that is the, that, <laughs> that is, does feel like a last day of camp. And even like so scarlet it was, 
maroon and like the wine spilling on the shirt. Like it all just felt like she was back in like her first album. And I was just like, it, it I don't there know. There was some just, creative writing 101 to uh, it was not energy to it to me. Yeah. Yes. But and, yes. and even let's talk like the feminist stuff. I know Amanda, we're gonna want to get into that. It felt that her feminism, like I wouldn't even call it feminism. It like all her her sort of like political lines were all sort of just self-referential about her like own problems. Yeah. And even, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> say something about Roe. Say or something or about like Roe. Anyone <laughs> bigger than yourself or anything universal. And all of her like feminist statements, like this 1950 shit you want from me is just like about how they want her to get married. Not like mm-hmm. not you're not gonna make this in any way universal. And it just felt like a the thing that yeah. keeps Taylor Swift up at night is Taylor Swift. And like there was just like nothing. It didn't yeah. feel empathetic, which I feel were some of her like best – has created some of her best songs. And yeah, that's kind of my take. I do think there are a lot of bops though. I like Bop. Definitely Night Absolutely. Night and they, like that was, that was kind of – I was – Liking because folklore and evermore are, I think, two like artistic achievements of hers that are like kind of on a different level. But I did, I and I and lover and lover was my wedding song, but lover felt very scattered in trying to find the bops and never yeah. really mm-hmm. quite found them truly. Whereas I feel like midnights we did find the bops, the bops yes. are back and they are good, yeah. and I'm singing. Mm-hmm. I'm singing the bops. Well, when I first listened to Renaissance, I was sort of like, these are all bops. These are all great things to like play in the club. And then it took me a while to like listen to them and then love them and like understand what she was saying and why. And then there's just some with Taylor where it's like, there might just not be a why, whereas ever whereas folklore and evermore were so, so dense with meaning. Like I saw a couple TikToks that were like, this isn't for the people that became Swifty for during folklore evermore, which is frankly me. I would say that's when, and then like the all too well kind of played into that. I was here for that. And I still love the album. But but like Sammy said, Sammy is a pre-folklore Evermore Swifty. This yes. still just didn't feel like growth from that. No, from it that. did not. And yeah. and not to be Kanye West about it, but I do think that Renaissance <laughs> was better than this album. Yes. yes. Well, oh, Renaissance, no. I think just, Yeah, I guess. Okay, well. I was like, take, well, we could go so many directions the with that these from days. a young woman, why don't you? Yeah, I think – well, I think Taylor Swift's best is when her POV is like super duper clear. Um and yeah. and and Renaissance I think has a really really clear POV and Midnight's doesn't as much in the same way as some of the other ones, which Not is why I think you're right that like reputation has risen in people's esteem because like She's coming from a place, that whole album, and it is pissed off, and it is um, it is her Monster Mash album, I say. Mm-hmm. I think that the song Reputation yeah. has um, uh, <laughs> Essence of Monster Mash in it, but <laughs> <laughs> listen to it again and tell me you don't hear the Monster yeah, Mash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. I love that album. But yeah, I like, when I think, and I think at the time I wasn't, I was like the the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? She's dead. Like, I thought it was very over the top, but now I like love it. And sometimes I'm like, the old Elise can't come to the phone right now. Right. She's dead. <laughs> also, like the history around what she was singing about has, like the way people perceive that has changed yeah. substantially. Exactly. And, it, and that changes your perception of the songs. And even like, okay, I would say the old Taylor can't come to the phone is that album's spelling is fun. And yeah. it is deeply superior 
Two, spelling is fun. Even it actually like yeah. makes sense. Like that that statement like has creative meaning in it. That's why yeah. I can't stand so scarlet it was maroon. Yes. That line means nothing. Right. Especially if I saw somebody say like you can't really figure out you can't locate which tailor is in this. Like normally you can figure out which which era of her she's referencing. She's in her Maybe fields. It's the one she's in. Maybe it's the one previously, but this one is just sort of like if I knew exactly like you also said this to Sammy it's like Girl, why you you're you're in a long-term relationship. Sounds like like you very likely might have had a miscarriage with this long-term partner. Why are you still bugging out and writing? I mean, I guess it's for entertainment value, but it's hard for me as a person who's at the same exact life stage to just be like, can we just get over it? <laughs> right. It's it's not even that like she needs to give us like trauma porn. I actually think like I thought Bejeweled was such a really inter- was a really interesting song because it I that it feels like it is realistic. It sort of speaks to the, you know, I think pull to missing like a single life or feeling like you might lose a part of yourself in your relationship. Like that I think is a more universal song and was really good and made sense for her. But there was, there's so many songs that's like, you're still singing about these like old relationships. Like who cares? Like, why are you still thinking about these yeah. I, I have forgotten like- about Tom Hiddleston. You can forget about him too. <laughs> the whole world has forgotten about Tom Hiddleston, girl. Okay. Yeah. Whereas we love vigilante shit because it potentially has like her having getting like an, an air of professional revenge. Like yeah. I'm I'm in my mid-30s. I want to hear about that. Exactly. No, that story's exactly. continuing. Yeah, Ellen Scooter Braun, like are get are like they're they're still relevant. There's like right. that that actually means something in the canon of music. Because, yeah. you know, there's still this dispute. And and it's sort of, yeah, I just sort of wish that, like, she would have had maybe fewer songs. I, I'm not that were kind of focused on, like, past, like, almost petty things. And I'm not referring to vigilante shit, but more right. songs like Bejeweled that explore, like, a move forward. Or maybe just, like, a connecting to greater humanity besides only herself. It just feels like she is in her feelings. And not really in the mood to think about anyone else, which you hear in Sweet Nothings. Yeah. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift, because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. 
They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. We have exhausted how much time we can spend not talking about Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) Anti-Semitism. We'll get into that next. So this is not recent. Kanye West has been doing this since sort of the beginning of last week. And since then, he has been banned from Twitter and Instagram for anti-Semitic remarks that include going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, which we did discuss, and espousing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jews in the media. He said, leaving North's basketball game on Friday, that the backlash to him saying Jews control the media is proof that Jews control the media. Now, people friendly to his sentiments have been emboldened to share their views loudly and proudly. On Saturday, demonstrators gave Nazi Nazi salutes as they stood behind a large overpass banner on the 405 in Los Angeles that read, Kanye is right about the Jews. It said it said a lot of stuff on it. What else did it say, Sammy? And why was that? What, what were they trying to So do? one was, um, it was like, honk if you thought Kanye was right. Okay. Like, Kanye was right about the Jews. Then there, then this is, I think, the scariest thing. It, well, not the scariest thing, but a bad effect um, is that there was one like reference to a website like Goyam TV. And I, what I think is really problematic is that everyone was like looking, what is that? Cause it was like a weird link. So I would recommend if someone's newly sharing this and I regret that I didn't do this, cover that link because it's now blown up this like Goyam TV channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, the use of the word goyim is really interesting because that's kind of the uh, terminology that that people use when they discuss Jewish conspiracies, like how Jews run the world and like – because goyim is a Yiddish word or a Hebrew word that basically like is how Jews would refer to non-Jews and like literally anyone who's not Jewish. So now they've sort of like co-opted that language that mm-hmm. – to that and like use it in like – conspiratorial language. So that's like one interesting thing. And then they had Bible verses, which I haven't Googled yet, but um, I'm sure they're like anti-Jewish Bible verses. Which is funny because Jesus was famously, (laughs) quite famously a Jew. Jew. (laughs) So, and yeah, so that um, and now and like, the people write also, it whatever. Oh, anyway, yeah. it's anyway, so crazy to put so, Bible verses. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on the thing That's about crazy. like hating Jews. Okay, so whatever that was like, what was on the freeway? But just I ask them when people, if you're going to share that again, cover that link, mm-hmm. even though I think it's like ultimately a little too late. 
Right, right. Well, also in recent days, residents have found flyers at their home and on their cars spewing racist stereotypes. This is this is always happening, even in, if it's not getting attention because Kanye is doing it or if it's not um, increased because it's being instigated. But what does happen when someone like Kanye openly embraces anti-Semitism? And do we think that the consequences have been adequate so far? I mean, Balenciaga severed ties with him only two days ago. Adidas is reportedly reviewing their partnership. They haven't yet. And Kanye was the one who ended things with Gap. Gap is like, I mean, who knows? They might have by now. But Gap was like, oh, yeah, we decided together to end things, I think. But Kanye says that he's not ending it. But this is crazy that Adidas is still reviewing their partnership. Yeah, especially since like there a clip literally came out that's being shared of Kanye on some podcast saying out loud, he's like, I can say anti-Semitic shit and Adidas won't even drop me. They won't even drop me. And the way he's saying it, it was like, there's so much darkness and malice and like the way that he's saying it. And it's so like snide and shitty. And it's just like, I mean, he, it seems like he's right because this clip is going around like as a company, the moment that clip came out, they should have dropped him. Because for them not to speak on it and to allow it to continue to make its way, it's like, what conversations are you having about keeping him? Right. What exactly are you reviewing? Yeah, I like, mean, I what understand are the conversations like, that are taking place? I understand when they're like, we need to be fair or whatever, but this is a situation where it should be like instant or it's sort of like, we're ending this now. And if we decide to bring it back, we will, but we're ending it now. Like or the if review there comes are later. like business cons- – if there's some sort of whatever the- contractually maybe they're trying to figure out. Oh, my God. These all have a morality clause. Please. Yeah. Like there's no way that he doesn't have a morality clause. And also there's a way still for the company to be like, we don't support what it's doing and we're looking for how to effectively end this partnership. Like they can mm-hmm. say that. Right. I mean, they don't need to it, say it's under review. They can be like, we're looking to end this partnership. We just need to figure out mm-hmm. contractually how we can do it. It comes down to the fact that anti-Semitism is acceptable. I mean, to many, many people. And the, and the effect of the n- lack of denouncement, this is where, you know, I know people love to say like, oh, like posting like a black square doesn't matter or like voicing your support for something or, you know, like social media activism doesn't matter. But the truth is, this is where narratives are driven. And in every single country that the Jews have lived in throughout history, it's like, you know, Jews have been able to live mostly in peace for a time. And then it becomes like, you know, people start saying anti-Semitic things and it becomes acceptable. And then what usually happens is that Jews are, you know, secluded, laws are passed. It really depends which, you know, example you Mm -hmm. want to point to. But in most of them, there is some sort of exile, murder, genocide, pogrom to follow these types of things. And I mean, anti-Semitic, you know, hate crimes against Jews are, uh, you know, are up extremely, I don't know the exact numbers, but incredibly disproportionately to the amount of Jews that there are. Jews also, I mean, especially religious Jews dress like very obviously can't miss them. So it's, you know, it's very, it's, it's deeply They're vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Um, so bad, bad, bad vibes, bad predictions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why it's so shocking to us that they wouldn't instantly, because if you imagine that he had said something so dramatically, dangerously terrible about another group, like, would we even be, or I don't know if he's moved his own Overton window because he's constantly saying this kind of stuff. 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm glad I never bought Yeezys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he's been saying horrible stuff that should have ended his part his brand partnerships for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I I do think like black people have been speaking out about the things he's been saying about black people for a long, long time. But now he's like expanding and getting really scary with the rhetoric that he's using. Um, and we're literally seeing it incite stuff like what what we have learned over and over and over again these past couple of years is that these figures with large followings on social media whether it be donald trump or whoever they can incite real-time violence with the stuff that they post Mm -hmm. online and we've obviously all seen the most extreme example of it with january 6th but like Kanye can incite Nazis to go on the 405 freeway in Los Angeles and like put put their views out there. It is scary and it is, you know, something that needs to be taken really fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just makes that these people that, you know, went up there on the overpass so giddy that Kanye West keeps endorsing their views. It gives them so much cover that a not even a rich, famous person, but a black person, it, it, it makes them, yeah. it gives them so much cover to their views. It, it validates them. And that's why it's really fucking dangerous. It's people are going to get hurt. I mean, here's the thing. People already have gotten hurt, but like, yeah, as just the, because there are so few Jews generally, and they're concentrated in like three places, most people in the country have not met a Jew. And So it's obviously a population that's highly vulnerable to prejudice because there's just like no exposure whatsoever. Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think when these types of things happen, there's like this, uh, you know, it's like a psychological effect of seeing the crowd and, you know, someone who's maybe, maybe they're not on the 405, but maybe they're sitting in some town somewhere else. And they're like, wow, like everyone seems to really hate Jews. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of always hated the Jews too. Like I, you know, they, they control the media and like, look, I'm a walking, talking stereotype of this, but, but like, and we acknowledge that, but like, I don't control shit, you know? Yeah. Like it's literally, so, you know, people have these ideas and then they're like, wait, like, I was right. You know, I can't, other people are thinking this too. It's sort of when you like see a meme and you're like, wow, I didn't realize everyone thought the same thing as me. And then it becomes like widely people embrace their own thoughts about it. And then it becomes just very widely, you know, acceptable to say and discuss. Yes. Happened there. Read a book. Yeah. Yeah. Read a book. Anti-Semitism has definitely been openly embraced by a number of prominent midterms candidates. I'm going to talk about a couple today. So Doug Mastriano is an anti-abortion election denier who has used Jewish dog whistles in reference to his opponent, Democrat Josh Shapiro. Some examples, Doug Mastriano, as if you know, if you've been paying attention, is one of the most baddie people up this cycle. He's terrifying. If this man becomes governor of Pennsylvania, that is bad for the entire country. Yeah. Mastriano has called, so Democrat Josh Shapiro is Jewish. He's religious or I, I don't know if he's religious or just culturally like it factors prominently into his life and his family and the way and his campaign. His kids go to a Jewish day school, which Mastriano has called privileged, exclusive and elite, which 
the elite is usually the dog whistle there, but mm-hmm. he has added that uh, it signals Shapiro's disdain for people like us. And Mastriano is constantly talking about like Christian supremacy, Christian nationalism, Christians are the best. Doug Mastriano has also accused Shapiro of holding a grudge against the Catholic Church. What he does not mention there, like where he's getting that, is that it's because um, Shapiro was the attorney general and it was involved in a case involving sex, child sex abuse in the Catholic Church. So according to Doug Mastriano, that yeah. that that is a Jewish a Jewish conspiracy against the Catholics <laughs> to expose child. It's so crazy because these conspiracy theorists, on the one hand, are like they're all pedophiles they're all (laughs) it's all low of like the whole conspiracy is also tied up in pedophilia or whatever but then a jewish guy is involved in taking down the catholic church and he's trying to that's a conspiracy to take down the catholic church like well also george soros is a nazi collaborator the dog whistle of like jew coming for the catholic church is literally like mel gibson's yeah movie that that's that whole thing that it's like the Jews really killed Jesus and they have it out for Catholicism. So that is yeah. like kind of, I mean, that's a smart, you know, if you want to, if you want to stir exactly. up anti-Semitism, that's like a masterclass. That's like a third And this year. is what Mastriano is really doing. He's really trying to center, like, it's just that the Jews, it's just that he doesn't like us. We're fine with them. They just don't like us. But also he, like I said, he regularly promotes Christian power, which is a new – I've heard Christian supremacy. Ugh. I've heard Christian nationalism. <laughs> Christian power is is a new one. And he has said that George Soros was a Nazi collaborator. Crazy. The Republican candidate it's – it's a new framing on George Soros at least. The yeah. Republican candidate has also paid a lot of money to Gab, which I just think is really worth noting, especially in the Pennsylvania context. Because Gab, of course, is a platform that's hosted tons of hateful content, but including the Pittsburgh shooter's anti-Semitic screed that they had posted. That shooter killed 11 Jewish people, including six fucking Holocaust survivors at the Tree of Life Synagogue in, Pens- in Pittsburgh, the state where Mastriano wants to be governor. So all this to say, you know, we are 15 days away from midterms. <laughs> Everybody has moved by different things. But if you know somebody who you're not like – Pay attention to this because this is this is serious. This is serious stuff. One more. Mark Fincham is the Republican candidate for Secretary of State in Arizona. This also isn't exhaustive. These are just the two that I got to researching <laughs> before we started. This guy has claimed that Jews are financing his opposition and directing the media against him. So this is definitely a less creative. This is a more derivative take overall. He says that Democrats have loyalty to George Soros and Mike Bloomberg. Mm. And of course, uses, you know, lots of pictures of George Soros and Mike Bloomberg that, um, you know, really emphasize a certain body part or facial feature rather. And it's not ears, eyes or mouth. Fisham is a proud member of the Oath Keepers, a group made up of, of course, xenophobic white nationalists. And this guy appeared at a QAnon conference where a video was shown with the Star of David among images of the 9-11 attack. So just to say, like, these guys are associated with the sickest and most sinister anti-Semitic tropes that anyone is putting out right now. And they're candidates for major, major shit. The Secretary of State is in charge of... The election in Arizona. It's really, really, really scary. Yeah, these really are the nominees. These are the Republican nominees. And some of them might win. You know, the thing is, like, we can, we're going to do our fucking damnedest to not, to get out the vote and call people and do all the stuff you're supposed to do. Vote forward is the one that I like because they write yeah. letters and I'm afraid of the phone. But, like, statistically, one of these fucked up people 
at least is getting elected into one of these important positions. And we're going to have to figure out what to do when they're in there now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am so terrified. You We can only hope that the balance is, you know, in favor because even in just like one state, yeah. these, you know, the right, the wrong person or in the, you know, in a right certain state. position, the right state mm-hmm. can really, because we don't know how the 2024 election will go and which state or states it will ultimately come down to. So the factor of who wins which position is just so incredibly important. So really all that we can ask is that people just mm-hmm. get everyone they know to vote Democrat down ballot, like yeah, without question. And everybody just has to vote. And yeah. that's really- Especially, yeah. And even, I mean, it's like, I don't know how, you know, anti-Semitism like would come up in how uh, Doug Mastriano chooses to govern, but it's just the governor of a major state who, who has that authority and legitimacy spewing this all of the time, which they will all continue to do. Trump did it his whole presidency. They all do it when they're in power too. Like that will cause more shootings. That will cause people to be attacked in the street. Like it's a direct line. It is a direct line. Yeah, there's just no way after seeing what has happened since Donald Trump even just became a candidate for major office and what has become acceptable to be said and done in the streets as a result of that. Like you can't say that having an anti-Semitic governor of Pennsylvania is not going to have serious repercussions for people, uh, Jewish people in Pennsylvania, but also anyone of a minority face in Pennsylvania. Like that's just anyone of any otherness that opens the door. It opens the door for fucking everything. And we saw it with Donald Trump and you'll like, there's just no way that having someone like Doug Mastriano in power who is going to fund Gab when the state that he's in literally had a shooting be basically live streamed on that site is going to be okay for the people who live there. Mm-hmm. Well, Kim Kardashian and Ivanka Trump don't seem terribly torn up about it or because I don't know how torn up you can be at Polo Lounge. <laughs> oh, my. Maybe over the prices at Polo Lounge. Yeah, the two of them were seen dressed to the nines after a three-hour dinner drinks in Beverly Hills together. And this is both happening as their respective family members are terrorizing the nation. Do you know how much you have to enjoy someone to sit with them for three hours? Yeah. Like, even my best friends I wouldn't always want to sit with for three hours. You must really miss that. You want to sit sit with for three hours is somebody who's also just you're having the most self justifying conversation, (laughs) forgiving each other for all of your atrocities. There's people just don't understand what it's like to give permission to these terrible men. People just don't get it. There is no way that in that three hours, one worthwhile thought was expressed (laughs) between the two of them. There's just no way. Mm -mm. Like, what are they? I bet that if I I honestly believe that if we like got a recording of the conversation, it would be the most boring bullshit anyone has ever heard. Ivanka would be like, have you seen it? I feel like it would it, be I feel like it would just be I it would be fascinating in terms of like hearing those two people talk, but I think like what they would have to say is just like graham cracker. Like I think Also, just, she was just hanging out with Chelsea and Hillary. Come on. I think it would be deeply insightful and who they would speak about would be, no, there would be, 
think about all the people they, that would they talk wouldn't about be insightful. Would, what we would hear would be insightful. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Not like yeah. that. They're not that they're like they're incredibly wise. Their thoughts are insightful, <laughs> but the information that they would exchange would be extremely interesting. Yeah, I think it would be interesting on one level, but I just think what they would exchange between each other would be like completely surface level things. What would be interesting yes. is to see what surface level things they choose to exchange. It would be I mean. so funny <laughs> to like get your hands, be like, try to get your hands on a recording of them and being so excited for the tea. And they're just sort of like, I love that Pilates class. Oh, my son, my son yeah. has that toddler probiotic smoothie and they absolutely, don't say a absolutely. Damn thing about anything worthwhile. Well, over three hours, you know, they definitely had like a range of petty stuff and <laughs> Revealing For sure. stuff. But here's yeah. the thing. Polo Lounge, Polo Lounge is so incredibly public. Like people go there so that they can be seen there. So yeah. my question is why did Kim Kardashian choose last night to be sitting there in the most public restaurant yeah. in the country? Like there, I cannot think of one place where people go to be seen more than that restaurant. Yeah. And it's like – they chose to be seen there when they both have many places they could go. They could have gotten fucking room service. Like, it's, yeah. right. It's, they literally could have had as much privacy as they wanted if they, re if they didn't, if they didn't think it would be a good idea to be seen together. And Kim Kardashian was never be pressured to be seen with someone if she didn't want to be. I get why Ivanka wants to be seen with totally. Kim Kardashian. I do Absolutely. not get why Kim Kardashian wants to be seen with Ivanka, especially when honestly, she's, in kind of a PR upswing yep. as like the anti the anti-hero to Kanye's <laughs> stuff. She just did this like Hillary podcast. Like I feel like her PR situation right now is kind of good. And so it's very it's interesting to me for her to calculate why she would want to be seen in public with Ivanka. I don't understand it either. I hope that we don't find out any more information. I am I am done with this pair. But that is our show with, with a very wide range of topics for the day. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.